all of those things. They, the age-old adage, JT, with the Tennessee Titans, no matter how much you like Nick Westbrook-Akine, they like him twice as much as that. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, July the 24th. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at Easton Fries. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are we doing, man? I'm good. I'm tired. But and why and would I, that and be? I, and I've actually I've been wondering that all day. Like I was I, I just kept yawning all day. And I'm like, mm. why am I so tired? And then I remembered, oh, wait, I was in Regal Regal Cinema's Opry Mills for six hours last night watching yes, Barbie. Are. And then 10 minutes later, Oppenheimer. And I didn't you, get out until 2 a.m. So that's why I'm tired. You pulled an authentic Barbenheimer yesterday. Which I was did. Impressive. And Your it wasn't had to have it, been on fire by the end of that. Just sitting it, in one it really seat for six it hours. really wasn't planned. Like I knew I was going to see Oppenheimer. Last you texted night. me at seven and you're like, hey, I uh, can't come because we were going to Oppenheimer at 11 yes. last night. We, we got done with Oppenheimer at like 230 in the morning mm-hmm. um we'd had that plan for like a month and then we were trying to figure out if we're gonna go get dinner beforehand or whatever and you're like can't do dinner we're like why what's up and you're like i'm I'm pulling a barbenheimer last minute an hour before barbie you went and got tickets and saw that and then you had like seven minutes between movies you just ran theater to yep. theater yep so um but let's talk about that very briefly because i feel like it was a it was a cultural moment this weekend it barbie really and oppenheimer. was we, i don't think i've ever saw seen both of them yeah, I don't think I've seen a movie like any like I've seen it all around the nation. Like I've not seen movie theaters this packed since like probably like Avengers Endgame or like one Endgame. of the new yep. Star Wars or something yep. like that. Like we haven't seen like a and it's crazy, right? Like it's, it's it, wild. I wouldn't expect it to be it that. Felt but like you were stepping we back in time a little bit because it really has been like a half decade at least since theaters been popping like that. I went when we saw Barbie on Friday. I went up to the security guard in the concessions area. I was like, do you work here regularly? And he's like, yeah, all the time. I was like, have you, when was the last time you saw it this packed? And he said, I cannot remember the last time it was even remotely close to this busy in here. And you know, everybody is, is in there wearing their pink shirts that they're going to see Barbie. Like it's very much a fashion moment. It was a big deal. We saw both movies. I, I would personally give, I gave Barbie like a solid eight out of 10. I'd give Oppenheimer like a eight and a half, nine out of 10, a very good movie. Not perfect. But I really enjoyed both of them. I, I thought they were both well worth the watch in the theaters. What'd you think? I mean, yeah, I thought I thought Barbie was really good. I thought the acting, like for me, the jokes didn't. Some of the, I found the the comedy a little bit more hit or miss it's compared to other humor. people. It's like Three Stooges, yeah. like stupid. Like there was moron there were many humor. there oh, were I many there were many like times where I thought like. And maybe that's just like my humor, like the the theater was laughing and I was like, all right, I, I get the joke. And then there was times where like Will Ferrell was just being like stupid and being Will Ferrell. And yeah. like I was the only one laughing because like I thought <laughs> the directing and like what they made Will Ferrell do and like some of these characters do. I thought that was really funny. Um, but I mean, Ryan Gosling steals the show. Margot does, Robbie yeah. is fantastic as always. I thought the I thought no 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 Alan steals bottom. the show Michael Sarah steals Michael the show Sarah he was, was my good. favorite character um, they did not give him enough screen time Alan uh, is the best one in the Barbie movie and then I thought I Oppenheimer's fantastic um, it's good man I, it's, it, yeah. I didn't get bored I was afraid it would be a little bit too long it's a full three hour movie I didn't feel like the pacing got slow I thought really I thought both movies all. were very well paced I thought both like 
I, I was kind of worried once I bought the Barbie tickets. I was like, man, I'm going to be in this. This I was there from 8.30 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. Like yeah. I was there for a full six hours. I was like, am I going to get bored? Am I going to regret this? And I walked out and I was like, I, I am Didn't. no less tired than than I walked in. Like the, I thought both movies were great. I wasn't bored at all. I, Oppenheimer, like for the story that it's trying to tell, it sucks you in. It makes you, it keeps you on your toes. Like it, it is... Christopher Nolan does a really good job at building tension in that movie. Yeah, no, it's, it's a Nolan masterpiece. They're both really good, both incredibly different films, um, yes. but <laughs> I enjoyed them both respectively. So uh, I recommend going and seeing them, both, seeing them both in theaters if you can. It's a lot of fun. And it, it feels like, again, it feels like a revival of classic Hollywood, classic movie theater culture. Like it, it made it warmed my heart to see us back in the theaters for the first time in a long time. Um, today is also a big day for Titans fans. We're recording on Sunday, so I guess by Monday morning, um, people are well aware of and very excited by the Oilers throwbacks being not revealed because we know what they look like, but you know, the, the hype videos I'm sure that will come out later tonight. Uh, we'll address that later in the show. We'll do a little, little addendum to the show. We'll add in late Sunday night after we've seen it as well, so we can comment on it. But I'm wearing my, uh, my Oilers throwback hat today. Felt necessary. Um, you know, don't don't tell the old head media. Don't tell old media about this. They they will be very upset. That how how dare I, a credentialed member of the Titans, uh, beat wear a anything branded by an NFL team. It's relax, people. Relax. Uh, just a little NFL culture, man. And it's it's objectively gorgeous colors and uh, logo design. So I felt like today, you know what? I'm breaking it out. I'm gonna wear it. We've got some Titans news to dig into today, JT, and then we're going to do a training camp storyline draft, a little preview, a little primer before we get into camp this week. Kind of buried the lead that here we are. We're finally we're back, baby. The offseason, the long, the long summer's night has come to a close. We have clawed our way out of the valley of the shadow of death, and we are back with some new content starting this week, covering the Titans as they go through camp through the end of July and then all through August. Then preseason will be here before you know it. And then that weird seven to 10 day break between the preseason and the regular season will be here before we know it. And then we're off to the races, baby. And I can not wait. The season's going to be so fun to cover. And I'm just jacked to not have to uh, be doing offseason topics anymore. So we'll do that a little training camp storyline draft to uh, really, I, I think, encapsulate all the, all the questions or concerns or areas of intrigue that we have going into camp probably something we'll be able to revisit on the back end to see you know what questions were answered that kind of thing we like to we like to come full circle on this show and then we'll get out of here it's going to be a three show week just go ahead and announce that off the top we will have on wednesday a show out probably not the longest but we do have our first welcome back uh press conference with head coach mike Vrabel on tuesday at 11 30 a.m central time so i will be there covering that and you can see all that in real time on my Twitter account, obviously. But then on Wednesday, we'll do a little show that will premiere Wednesday morning, just encapsulating all the thing. You know, I'm sure we'll talk to him about DeAndre Hopkins. We'll talk about the uh, trouble that MPF and Hassan Haskins got themselves into. We will talk about, I'm sure, what the offensive line might look like, and I'm sure he won't give much of an answer on that. We'll have to see for ourselves. We'll probably talk about uh, the quarterback situation, things he's heard and seen and felt like. Um, players may have made progress the past six weeks, which he called at the end of OTAs, 
the most important period of the offseason for his players. And so we'll have him circle back on that quote and give us some insight there. And then on Wednesday will be the first camp practice that media is able to go to. So I'll be there for that. And then on Thursday evening, we'll be doing our live taping of the Friday show. So make sure to tune in Thursday afternoon, evening, sometime in there. We'll announce the time when we get closer to that for our third show of the week, recapping both the Vrabel press conference and the uh, first practice of the training camp portion of the year that will debut on podcasts on Friday. So I think that's what we're going to be looking at um, through the duration of August and through training camp into the preseason, three show weeks, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, kind of back to what we were doing a lot last year. Excited about that. Without further ado, JT, let's dive into some Titans news today, and then we'll get to our training camp storyline draft. What do you say? Yeah, let's jump right into it. And we have to start, of course, with the pre-camp transactions. So it was reported uh, earlier this weekend, a couple of transactions, a few players already placed on the physically unable to perform list, which does count towards the active roster. That includes uh, cornerback Caleb Farley and offensive lineman Dylan Raiden. So, of course, Raiden's we kind of already suspected that he wasn't going to be um, able to go for the start of the year. But sure. Caleb Farley, we had questions going into the offseason what what would happen with him and what it was going to look like for him coming into this training camp. And so far, not a good start for Caleb Farley. Your thoughts on those? Well, I think some people, it was a question whether or not Caleb Farley would be ready to go by training camp. Like we did not know. He did not know it was, is in the cards. Yes. But I think people forget he's coming off of that additional, I think supplementary back surgery. He's had a couple, mm -hmm. right? Yep. He had, he had some work done on his back. At some point last season, I forget when exactly. It's been a good while now. But I think that December. Is, I think that uh, was okay. Right. It so sounds think, December sounds right. To I me. think it was at the end of 2022 at some point. So I think he's had all of 2023 to rehab that. Um, from what we've heard, little bits and pieces from what I've heard inside the building, they're expecting him to be physically able to contribute relatively soon, like at some point this season, and not late into the season. That that is the timeline that they are hopeful for but obviously right now not something he is able to do um, a name that I don't think we were expecting to be on this list but could have been is star pass rusher Harold Landry it's good to see him officially you know not there's not any issues raising to the level of being put on the pup list so that's good news and I'd imagine we see a decent amount of him during training camp as he is now I think a full almost a full if not a full 12 months removed from tearing his ACL last time in last time this year, uh, last year at this time, good English. There you Houston. go. Um, and then uh, Josh Thompson on the non-football injury list it is an illness list. I think that they had put him on specific designation. So I'm sure that won't be a long-term deal. Moving on to a topic that kind of has gone under the radar, but Will Levis finally signs his rookie deal. Kind of taking our time on that, taking one. taking their time on this one, and I feel like. Uh, earlier this week, I, I put out a tweet where it was like, it'll be interesting to see how they fit in DeAndre Hopkins, maybe a George Fant signing. And then, oh, by the way, Will Levis still hasn't signed. And of course, <laughs> right. later that week, uh, they sign Will Levis. Here are the details on that. It's a four-year, $9,542,165 contract with a signing bonus of about $3.9 million. His 2023 cap hit is around $1.7 million in 2024, $2.1 million 
2025, 2.6 million. 2026, 3 million. Titans' current top 51 cap space is around $14.9 million, but that, of course, is still awaiting the D Hop details. Yep. So that will, um, a chunk of that will be eaten up by DeAndre Hopkins' salary once that is uh, implemented by these cap tracking websites over the cap and Spotrack and whatnot. I don't think people are fully aware of the fact that. While DeAndre Hopkins' base salary, as reported, base, which it's not really his his base, like that people, Zach Lyons and Mike Herndon went on a big spiel about this on Football and Other F-Words last week about how we've got to use the right terminology for these things. His base salary is $12 million this year. That's not what is going to be attributed to the cap. His cap hit's probably going to be, I'm guessing, in the maybe three, maybe $4 million range, potentially lower depending on what they do with void years. And there, from what we've heard, there will be void years tacked on to the end of his two-year contract. I'd imagine his cap hit next season is something more like the 10 to $12 million range. But this year's cap hit shouldn't eat up a whole lot of that 15-ish million dollars of effective top 51 cap space that they have right now. And Will Levis, obviously, his cap hit this year, 1.7, relatively speaking, a drop in the bucket for the Titans. So they have some room if they want to go and add a guy like George Fant, but that's what's next on today's news. Kind of a surprising revelation on that front. Yeah, speaking of George Fant, it was per, uh, reported per Jordan Schultz, George Fant finished his workout for the Titans, but sources say the two sides will remain in touch moving forward with no deal as of right now. Unable to agree to t- agree to terms, but mutual interest is still there. Easton, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so he was reported by Jordan Schultz early last week when we talked about it on Friday's show. He was going to be brought in by the Titans. He was going to work out. And from all accounts, it sounded like it was kind of a formality at that point. The Titans release um, uh, Chuck McClelland, uh, the running back, last week. And we were assuming, I think reasonably so, that that was to make room to add George Fant after his workout this weekend. Sounds like they sat down to negotiate at the table and Rand Carthon and um, George Fant's representatives couldn't come to an agreement. I'd imagine money is the situation. If I had to guess, the Titans probably offered him somewhere in the ballpark of a vet minimum with a little bit of little sugar on there, maybe some in- incentive sprinkles about games played or performance. But I- I'd imagine he wants much more than that, and they could not find middle ground there. They probably were very far off. And he's probably thinking from his perspective, you know, I am the best still swing tackle on the market right now. Odds are, unfortunately, some team in the next three or four weeks will have a tackle go down and will be in a similar situation. The Titans are in, although maybe even worse, the Titans are expecting to get their young tackle and PF back after six weeks. If somebody goes down with a torn ACL or a bad injury of some sort, God forbid, he could be of much bigger value. And so he's probably saying, you know what? it sounds like they they ended on positive terms despite not signing he's probably going to say you know i'm going to pump the brakes i'm going to wait right now i think that i can probably get more money if something unfortunate happens with another team in the next three or four weeks if i'm patient so that's what he is choosing to do wouldn't shock me if there is no such injury no such need from another team he is coming back around uh, and the titans end up adding him later on in august yeah i would agree there and i i think that's probably been the smartest plan this entire time I've always thought that if they do bring in George Fant like like you said it, it should be for the vet minimum I don't think there's any yes. reason why you would give him more money when 
in all reality, after six games, he's most likely becoming a backup. I say it's a um, month and a half rental. It's it's all exactly it's all it is, um, man. And if he wants more money, I, I think it, it makes sense from both sides that it, even though there is a need, sometimes you don't want to get too aggressive with that need and kind of put yourself in a bad spot. The last thing that we will talk about here, the throwbacks. They're here. Yeah, we've known about these for two-ish years now, JT, but they're finally here, and they're just so glorious. I mean, look at these things. Here's uh, If you're watching with us on YouTube, at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page, we've got a slideshow of some of the screenshots from the release video that the Titans put out on Sunday evening, as well as some of the images they put out on their website, TennesseeTitans.com, and holy guacamole, they're so clean. They've got their promos, it's Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, Kevin Byard, and Jeffrey Simmons wearing these in front of a in front of a giant screen of old Love Ya Blue era Oilers highlights, which is a really cool homage to that era. And um, they, they did a great job with them, obviously. Love that they went with the white helmets with the red face masks. The, the Oilers helmets, they changed four times during the Oilers run in in the late 1900s and they were all really glorious i didn't think that was a bad option jt um but this is probably my favorite combination the red face mask white helmet with the light blue and uh red trim jersey really really fantastic looking a bit of news that came along with this that we didn't know until they were announced sunday night is that these jerseys one will be worn twice this year but won't there won't be an away game in which they're wearing them. Paul Kaharski mentioned that uh, apparently they may have been interested in trying to wear them on that late season Monday night football game down in Miami, but the NFL, he, he had reason to believe the NFL may have been saying no to them on that. I'm not sure where he's getting that from, but obviously Paul does a good job reporting. So I'll trust him on that. Um, it sounds like they won't have the white away version of these jerseys, at least right now. They're just going to rock with these baby blue home versions and they are going to officially become the new third Titans jersey. So the light blue Titans jersey, um, people remember that they've got the whites, which are the aways, the, the stormtrooper look. They've got the dark blue jerseys, which are the primary homes. And then that baby blue Titans jersey that they'd worn the past couple of seasons. Um, a, a good deal. I'd say a good like at least a third of the time they were wearing them a ton at home and away. That's going to be replaced by these, which I was kind of. I didn't know how I felt about it at first because they the light blue was my favorite, like the light blue on white pant or the light blue on white pant was my favorite combination. Love that these are being implemented as a not just like a, a one once a year special throwback game, but like an actual jersey. But they're only going to wear them twice this year. And I'm hoping after the season, as they kind of break them in, they wear them more than that because they certainly were wearing the the light blue Titans jersey more than twice a year. And uh, I, I want them to wear these more than twice a year. I think everybody does because Titans fans and non-Titans fans alike on the internet pretty much all agree that these are a top five, top three throwback jersey. One of the cleanest, most universally loved jerseys in the league. And so this year, twice at home, maybe once against the, the Texans, which would be just delicious, perfect. Um, they will be wearing these at Nissan Stadium. Can't wait to see them in these. And uh, the merch store, they've already got out. Besides just the jerseys, which actually th this throwback reveal kind of sucks, JT, because they're not doing a chick version yet. I know um, that's crazy. So actually, I'm vehemently opposed to this. I think that they stink. Me too. Un until further notice. 
Um, but they've got a, a number of different, you know, non-Jersey options. Some of the hats and the the sweatshirts and stuff are really, really well done, really clean. And so I just, I think this is something that everybody is going to love and the Titans are going to make a gajillion trillion billion dollars off of. And for, for good reason. I really like, like the, the red accent, like, arm pads especially with like derrick henry right there like Mm -hmm. derrick looks like a bad mfer right there like yes he looks he looks so crazy um fans for a long time have loved when titans players use the red accent just with the regular jersey you know like like the the jeffrey simmons red sleeve or the kevin byard uh red gloves or red sleeve or whatever like or the red cleats like that's something that people have been like do that more like wear more of that these enable you with the red trim to really go all in red gloves, red sleeves, red cleats. Like I love the red accent. That's really what makes it for me. Yeah. The only thing I, the only other thing I would say about it is that I am a little bit disappointed that because they're wearing them only for home games that we will not get the Oilers throwbacks versus the creamsicles. And that, that is, that is a shame, but that is is a shame. We move, we move, we move. And that's going to do it for our Titans news. Our first Titans news of the season. Yeah, it's good to be back. Feels good to be back. Thank you, JT. Let's move on now to our training camp storyline draft. JT going to help me out with this one. We're going to go back and forth here. Drafting from a pool, a predetermined pool of narrative storylines that we are anticipating being much talked about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to discuss, preview, give our thoughts. Would you like to go first, sir? Sure, I can go first. And uh, the first question I'm going to ask is probably one of the more relevant ones now that has to do with D-Hop without actually having to do with D-Hop. Kind of convoluted, but who grabs the last one or two wide receiver spots on Mm. this team? Or are there such spots? Or is there a spot, right? right. Um, So if we look at their depth chart right now there there are a couple wide receivers who are basically locks to make make the roster one being deandre hopkins Traylon burks uh nwi chris moore and some argue Kyle nwi and chris moore I, i'm telling you guys like i just don't see it i'm sorry yeah. continue but I, I do let's talk about that in a second yeah so those five being d hop burks nwi chris moore and kyle phillips are right. basically locks to make to make the roster uh, and and if if the if the Titans are pretty much gonna sit at six and not go for that extra spot holding I seven, will. I, I don't be, think I'll be really surprised if they go. It's just the talent, you know. Like, yes, are there seven receivers in this pool worth keeping? I don't know. You you could argue are there seven? You know, like maybe not. But uh, we've talked about this, JT. Like, you go through the depth chart for this team, and we'll be doing fifty three man roster protect projections over the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Once you get to like the 43rd, 45th yes. player, it becomes just like pick your poison. You know, like yes. not, you ever play dodgeball in school and it's like, you know, you get you get through the valuable assets and there's like <laughs> eight kids left and value you've been picks. drafting for a while. And so you and the other captain go, you want to just kind of we'll just split them down the middle. We'll just, <laughs> just very mean. So no, but so kid, no one gets no one gets their feelings hurt too hard. Exactly. You know? No one has to go last. We just are right, the, la- the rest of you. Those of you on the right and the left. Let's just kind of part the waters <laughs> there. That's that's what it's going to be with those last like eight to ten spots on this roster. But it, so. but it does. But it does bring up the question here. So with those five you think they'd probably keep a six wide receiver and and that's where it really gets interesting here because yes. the wide receiver that you think they would most likely keep is their seventh round pick Colton Dow who right. ha, ha, we have seen over the 
over the offseason through OTAs and rookie minicamp just get better and better and improve and it, increase his usage in, in the drills that the Titans have used him in in OTAs, yep. which then leaves out some guys who have been on this roster now for, for quite some time mm-hmm. in Mason Kinsey and Racy McMath and then some other guys who are undrafted free agents like Jacob Copeland and Kiers Jackson. Of course, I, I think there is some some talent to be had there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up recognizing that and keeping a seventh receiver considering mm-hmm. the, the injury history in the past. However, if a lot of these guys are going to hit the practice squads, I wouldn't be surprised if some other teams try and uh, go out and grab them. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. Let's talk about this in, in stages here because I have a couple of yeah. things I want to address. The first of which is this idea that Chris Moore and Nick Westbrook-Akine aren't locks. And the argument made here by folks that I sorry, but you definitely have an agenda. You just hate NWI. Like, I, and I get it. I, I'm not saying your personal agenda is unfair or unbased. Like you, the idea that you don't want NWI and or Chris Moore being a big part of your team's wide receiver attack on paper. I understand. Truly, I do. But I don't think you're being realistic or objective when you say that they're not locks. And the reason being, when you look at it from a very baby pool depth, shallow level. You just look at the contracts. Look at what the team is committed to them, right? NWI on a, a very minimal one-year deal. Chris Moore, I believe, also on a one-year deal for a, a insignificant-ish amount of money. And so from that standpoint, from a financial commitment standpoint, it makes sense that, you know what, there, no after after D-Hop and Burks and and Kyle Phillips, like, you know, it's anybody's ball game. To an extent, that's the way that camp goes. But... NWI is the most tenured Titan receiver on this list and not a guy like Mason Kinsey, who's also very tenured, but is never on the field or on the sidelines on Sunday. He's tenured on the team as an active element of the team on the sidelines on Sundays and in recent years on the fields a lot lot on Sundays. And so he's somebody that they're going to keep around that they have the ultimate trust in. They trust his chemistry with the team, his understanding of their concepts, all of those things. They, the age-old adage, JT, with the Tennessee Titans, no matter how much you like Nick Westbrook-Akine, they like him twice as much as that. That's just how it goes. That's what the Titans and Nick Westbrook-Akine's relationship looks like. So I will be floored, floored, if he is not a, a lock on this roster uh, by the 53-man cutdown. With Chris Moore, you got to think about, situationally, when they added him, what that meant for what they were anticipating him meaning to this team, his role. Like at the time he was their only free agent addition to that wide receiver room. And they went out and got him as one of Rand Carthen's first moves as a GM. And they have been sitting with him in that building and on the field for months now, anticipating him being a, a an element of this offense, playing a role for this team. I don't think that's going to suddenly shift because of, Trishawn Harrison and Jacob Copeland and Jackson Kieris and Gavin Holmes, like these, this rookie contingent or the promise of Racy McMath or Reggie Robeson. I, I just don't see that happening. And so, yeah, again, if one of these guys just go, I mean, if Jacob Copeland plays all August with his hair on fire and this, this coaching staff falls in love with his potential, maybe there's some discussion there, but I think they're much more likely to go into a discussion of, Man, you know, Jacob Copeland, for example, playing with his hair on fire. We want this guy on our roster. The promise is just too big to pass up. That, I think, sparks a conversation of, 
do we go with seven wide receivers before it goes to, all right, Chris Moore or NWI, who aren't we keeping? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think that's been the plan this entire time. I don't think you bring in Chris Moore. I think you brought in Chris Moore to be a veteran presence and yes. ultimately got even more of a veteran presence in DeAndre Hopkins. But at the time, Chris Moore was going to be that veteran presence in a room that really didn't have any tenure on the field whatsoever. Right. The other thing I want to talk about is, again, outside of these top five receivers that we're expecting to be locks, you have two very different contingents, right? You have the group of four, four, no, the group of three receivers on this team that have been around for a while and are back of the roster guys always this time of year in the discussion in racing McMath, Reggie Roberson Jr. and Mason Kinsey. It's been a couple of years at least with each of them, some uh, many years now in which we've been talking about them in August a lot preseason darlings will they make the team what won't they always on the fringes and then you have this young coalition of players uh these five rookies one of which is the leader in the clubhouse in our eyes and colton dowell their seventh round draft pick then Treshawn harrison jacob copeland jackson kiaris and gavin holmes all of which have made some splashes so far in my memory being out there with media at otas the ones that i would say really have any shred of a chance are jacob copeland and Jackson Kieris uh, out of Kieris uh, Jackson. Did I say Jackson Kieris? Yes. I'm looking at I'm looking at the uh, looking at the depth chart and their list yeah. last name first name. Thank you, Kieris Jackson, um, out of Georgia, and then Copeland out of Maryland. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and so those two may make a push, just depending on how well their August goes. But out of those two coalitions, I I'd say. I don't know. I know fans have, and I kind of think that the coaching staff has soured a little bit on the promise of Racy McMath and Reggie Robertson Jr. and certainly Mason Kinsey. I think if they were to take a flyer on any of these guys adding a seventh, it's more likely to be one of these rookies um, be- because they have some more promise. We, we, It's a proven quantity now that you can stash Mason Kinsey, you can stash Reggie Roberson, you can stash Racy McMath on your practice squad. And they're kind of just still there for you. You know, like maybe some team comes along and scoops one of them up. But with these rookies, I think they're much more likely to be to be uh, sniped by another team if you try to stash them on the practice squad. And so because of that, I think it's Dowell as the sixth. And then if there's a seventh, maybe it's a rookie that plays his butt off in August. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. All right, let me get to my first draft pick here. And it's the I appreciate you. Uh, this is a great producer slash host role deciding here you you left the one that you knew i'd want to talk about to me so i appreciate it's the the obvious and this is the obvious one right it's the number one storyline it's the only question that legitimately this week as we're getting close to training camp i've had real people in the real world both family friends and strangers talk to me about you know their question is this what's the quarterback situation right what's 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 it going to look like in august and and specifically who is the quarterback two for this team? Is it Malik Willis? Is it Will Levis? This was the conversation as soon as the Titans drafted Will Levis, obviously, back in the spring. But now we're going to finally get a solid five weeks with some actual preseason action and some joint tra- uh, joint, joint training camp practice action and consecutive days each week in a row where we get to see the two in pads throwing live bullets in practice. And so that's really, really exciting. And it's going to be, I think, pretty revelatory in understanding what the pecking order for this quarterback room looks like. As of right now, just to refresh people on what we came to a conclusion 
of at the end of OTAs was Ryan Tannehill leaps and bounds above the rest naturally. And then it was kind of Malik Willis to a Will Levis to B. If you had to give a leg up, it was Malik Willis, but that was understandable and expected considering he's a second year quarterback and Will Levis is a rookie coming into a new system. But obviously I think we all agree that the, the promise in, in this season at least is higher with Will Levis. I think most people expect him to surpass uh, Malik at some point. Does that come in August? I kind of think that there's a better chance than not that by the end of August, we're saying, okay, it's going to be Tannehill, then Levis, then Malik. But you know, you and I on the show, our relationship with Malik's quarterback coach, um, Sean, and all of these things that we've talked about with him, it wouldn't shock me, JT. It would not shock me if we had a really impressive August from the both of them. And it just really solidifies once we get to the cut down day. They have to keep both of these guys. There's just too much promise in both of them. And wow, Malik really surprised some people. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. If you were asking me right now who the quarterback two is going into the season, though, I, I think I think there is more of a chance than not that Will Levis does become the quarterback two. And as I, I as I sit here thinking about it, it, it probably is just more because of the system and the kind of offense that yes. this team wants to play. I think who is the if, stereotypical backup for Ryan Tanhill that you want between them? It's obviously Levis, right? It, it that, is that's obvious. The point that, and I think that's the point there that if, if something crazy happens and Ryan Tannehill has to miss a game or two, you want the guy who isn't going to absolutely totally shift your offensive identity for two games. I think. Right. The and I think that's what his, his strengths and weaknesses. You don't have definitely. to shift things yep. dramatically. And I, th right? and I think, I think in the sake of continuity and keeping this team kind of on track, you probably want to take Levis out there. Now, if Malik Willis just absolutely balls out, I think that it's hard pressed to, to not say that he is vying for that spot, but that's just something we'll have to see for training camp. Yeah. All right. What's our next pick for the uh, training camp? Narrative storyline draft, JT. I'm going to go to keep keep on the offensive side of the ball here, though, and okay. go with how do the Titans handle the offensive line? And more so, how do they fill this hole at right tackle? We talked mm. about in the Titans news sec section that um, George, not Fant, George Fant, not currently coming to this team. And as I look here on our lads, by the way, thank you, our lads, for fixing your egregious uh, depth chart. <laughs> we depth successfully chart bullied them into fixing it. Let's go. We did. Um, but currently right now, as it stands, um, our lads is projecting Daniel Brunskill to move out to the right tackle position. And in his place in right guard, they currently have Jordan Ruse in there. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's probably the most likely scenario right now, if you had to ask me. Okay. We might we might we, we might disagree, we disagree on this. We disagree. Wow. But um, yeah, they left to right right now. They've got Dillard, Skoronsky, Brewer, as expected, and then Roos Brunskill. Okay. Yeah. Um I'll let you explain why you think this is the best scenario. Um, I think just from a veteran perspective, it's easier to to move uh Daniel Brunskill out outside and keep him there and let kind of one of these younger guys in or just kind of more inexperienced guys like Jordan Ruse or Jamarco Jones or one of the two rookies in Jalen Duncan or John Ajuku kind of fill in that right guard role between 
Aaron Brewer and Daniel Brunskill. I think that's what makes it the most comfortable out there. Um, and then, of course, you kind of move Daniel Brunskill right back into his his bread and butter position once MPF comes back. I think for the sake of comfortability, that is for my for my money's worth the best option right now. Yeah, and you may have changed my mind a little bit. I, I don't think this is unlikely. Um, I just, I, I'm not well, sure. Well, what was your what was yours? Well, like the, your the, gut the crux, the right crux of my disagreement was I just think they're going to, like we've been talking about, want to go with the most minimally invasive surgery on this offensive line as possible. And changing two guys, both the right tackle and guard, on paper, I think that's less likely to happen just knowing this team and this coaching staff. But as I consider all the options for the right tackle fill-in, Brunskill is to be fair, the guy who is the only one I'm really comfortable with saying that it won't be a total dumpster fire. I don't think it'll be great, but I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll embarrass himself and ruin things for the team that way. My, my other disagreement with that scenario is I'm not sure Jordan Roos is the next guy up at, at guard. I, I don't think either, but like if you had I, I to put someone Le- in there currently, well, I'm, I would, I would consider Corey Levin or Jamarco Jones in there at guard before I, I think I would Inter- consider Roos. But it, it, there is an element of six six of one, half dozen of the other, right? So mm-hmm. um, what I think is a possibility, and they're certainly going to at least give it a try. They're just going to see how it looks. I think that Jamarco Jones, Jalen Duncan, and John Ajokwu are all going to get their fair share of opportunities over the coming weeks at that right tackle position. Because I think on paper, if they could leave Brunskill at guard and find one of those three guys, Jamarco Jones, Jalen Duncan, John Ajokwu, Duncan and Dejoku both being rookies, late round or undrafted free agent rookies. It's on it's in ideal for all three of them. And and the Titans are in a tough situation here as we've discussed. But I think they're going to try because if they can get themselves to a point where they're comfortable with one of those guys at that tackle position and you can leave Brunskill at guard just as as a band-aid. Again, this is all just a band-aid for Nicholas Petit-Friere to return after his stupid gambling suspension is up. And by stupid, I mean a stupid decision on his part to break a very stupid rule. Stupid all around. I think that they'll try it. So will it be successful? Eh, Maybe not. Maybe at the end of the day, it is Brunskill out there because he's the veteran you trust most. But I think they'll give him every opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah, so maybe a question on... A question preceding this question here. Who is your... So if if they were going to keep Daniel Brunskill, which, by the way, to your point... Brunskill has not played right tackle since 2019. So right. it's been a, it's been a long time. He mm-hmm. he he was at, he was at right tackle and then played a little bit of left tackle in 2019 and then ultimately towards the end of that season uh played right guard and then from there he's played center or right guard and that's pretty much been it. So he hasn't played the position in quite some time. So if you were going to keep him at the right guard position who, who, who are you taking at right tackle right now? Because I think I, I, I have a hot take answer. I this think- is like this is like playing the shell game, but I didn't get to watch you when you put the, sh- the peanut under the shells. Like I, I, I feel <laughs> <laughs> I'm having to totally guess here. My my gut initial reaction, and, and this sounds crazy because he's not done anything with the Titans, but we've seen him in Seattle. And when he was out there on the field, he was he was at least serviceable like. John Robinson wasn't crazy to go get him. It just has not worked out at all so far. It's Jamarco Jones. And that's that's purely because with Ojokwu and Duncan, who I both love their long-term prospects infinitely more 
than that of Jamarco Jones. They both actually have promised to potentially become starters one day down the road. There's just an element of, man, there's a reason these guys are tackles that went undrafted and, and in the sixth round. They, they, I mean, we saw last year NPF as a third round tackle, as a, a highly graded recruit come in and at the right tackle position, really struggle at times, really struggle. Like there's a reason why tackles go in the first and the second round. They're a premium draft position because the ones that are capable of performing early are so few and far between. There's so much polish that has to be added and buffed into their player profile, their ability. Once they get to the NFL, these two guys are going to have to make really, really big leaps. But I already know you're about to sit here and tell me, let John and Joe Wood cook. Isn't that, isn't that right? Um, no, actually, no, that wasn't uh, your I'm, hot take. Okay. No, I'm go- I'm going dark horse. I think Jalen Duncan, I think, I think Jalen Duncan is my current dark, ho- dark horse. Cause I, I get what you're saying. I think uh, like, gut feeling Jamarco Jones is probably the right the right answer it's the safest guess it's the safest answer um but I mean I could totally see Jalen Duncan kind of coming in here and and being a serviceable right tackle okay all right let's move on to our next draft topic and these are going to get um more spark we're talking a long time on them but we've got the the biggest ones out of the way here let me do um my my next training camp storyline draft pick will be the entire safety position. And I will not beat this horse dead as we have all summer, but just to kind of recap and refresh as we enter the period where we're finally going to get an answer to this, this position is in a bit of sneaky dire straits. Kevin Byard and the Titans get, get their deal done for him to take a pay cut, which is good. And I think may have hinged on Deandre Hopkins coming. Um, and, and Kevin Byard, like we'll see the details of that contract eventually. But I'd imagine it was there was some in it for him in terms of future money. Um, there's also incentives that they've added in for him to get more money this year if he plays to his level. But I, I, I just I think besides Bayard and uh, uh, Imani Hooker as those top two guys as the Titans have had them the past couple of years, and then as we've talked about, cornerback, defensive backfield, convert. Um, uh, Elijah Molden, man, names are struggle. I'm struggling with names today. <laughs> Elijah Molden, um, potentially being that do it all defensive backfield guy, being the safety when they need him in there as that third guy, man, oh man, does it get, I mean, Josh Thompson, who's currently on the, the illness list, rookie Matthew Jackson, rookie Tyreek Jones, Mike Brown from Cleveland. Like this list of guys is the definition of lawn chairs and deck furniture, man. It's a bunch of dudes that are, you're just going to go set out there on the grass and they're not going to do a whole lot. And you certainly don't want them out there. Love the top two. Maybe we'll like the top three at the safety position. But boy, if you lose even one of them, things get ugly fast and you're going to need them to either go find somebody in August to bring into this rotation to add in, or you're going to need one of these no names to really make a name for themselves in a hurry. Yeah, I, I agree. It is very, very scarce out there. Um, so it can get ugly be, really fast. It really can. Um, and like, if, if everything's perfect, it's really good. Like, you know, it's a razor thin margin because if they yes. stay perfectly healthy, I love the safety room. If they're even a little yes. bit hurt, it's a disaster. And like just looking at some of like what is out there right now, if it comes to that, like I guess nobody John Johnson 
from Cleveland, mm. uh, mm. Devin McCourty, who I believe retired. So that is not that is <laughs> yes. not, that is not an, uh, Marcus Allen from Pittsburgh. Like the, the, like a lot of people that like you may have like they're great, um, great players to know for like, you know, the new Immaculate Grid. Immaculate game. Grid. Sure. Yeah. Great for that. Um, yes. Great for that. Maybe not for this real team football? or no. <laughs> real yeah. football. Um, the next question that I'm going to take here is uh, Harold Landry. Um What's what does he deal? look like? What's, What's the deal? The deal? Yeah. <laughs> Is he, I, I'm, and that's really, that's really it. Gary Seinfeld um, voice. What's the deal with Harold Landry? What's the deal <laughs> with Harold Landry? <laughs> Harold Landry. Um, <laughs> yeah. How, how is he going to look? How, how are they going? I want to see how they first implement him. I think into training camp. Slow. Are we, I, I and, and I hope, slow. I hope it is. Um, sure. And that's probably a good thing. But it'll just be interesting to see kind of who once, even as we get into deeper into training camp, right? Who's taking these these first team snaps? Are we still seeing him maybe, maybe kind of be the number two guy behind like Arden Key and a couple At other guys, first. right? And uh, see how he progresses getting back onto the field. So, um, just interested to see him, maybe see kind of get to talk to him, see what he, how he's been feeling and how his off season has gone and see how his outlook looks for this season. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And I, I agree with you that they should take it slow. I'm very confident that they will take it slow and we may not see much out of Harold Landry at all until late August, but that will be fine. You know, slow play it. He's, he's a veteran pros pro he'll be fine. Um, so if fans are eager to, to see all there is to see about Harold Landry, I would just, Relax. You're going to have to, whether you want to or not. And I don't think it's coming soon. Um, my next training camp storyline draft pick. I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins. Hey, welcome to town. I've already, I was DMing him earlier this weekend. We were talking back and forth. Told him I could not wait to uh, get to finally meet him after I have accidentally been very mixed up with him this this summer online. And we've, he's been, well, it sounds like, to- it sounds like a, a couple, uh, Titans oh boy! People, I won't, well, I won't, I, I won't, I t- I've we, we been talking to the real DeAndre Hopkins. Some some <laughs> that's, that's friends of this ago. show accidentally <laughs> were talking to some fake DeAndre Hopkins, um, who gave us the thank God God bless this person, whoever this weird little troll is with DeAndre Hopkins' old phone number, Pretty Boy Kelly, fantastic nickname, absolutely going nowhere. I'll call him to his face. I don't care. Um, he, I, I'm ga- I'm guessing. I think he's got a sense of humor. I think he'll find it funny, and we're certainly not going to let it go. Um, but yeah, Deandre, I've spoken a little bit with him. I've already told him, I can't wait to talk to him and he reciprocated that we'll, we'll get to chat with him. I'm hoping this week at practice, assuming he's there. And I think that he is in Nashville now, um, whether he, this is really the, I have buried the lead here. What's the question, Easton? Here we go. I got you. What, what's he going to do? Like same deal with Harold Landry. We, we know Deandre Hopkins is an aging player. He's got some, not injuries, but physical limitations with his plantar fasciitis and stuff like that, where he has to constantly manage those things. And that, that comes with less practice than the typical player. There's been a lot of talk in the past from former fans and media members uh, of former teams of his Cardinals folks right now will tell you have fun. Cause this dude doesn't like to practice. He does not practice and he doesn't like it. He said he does in, in interviews. And I'm not saying I, I don't know who to like, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know who cares. Will he? That's the question. I'm kind of guessing he will at first practice. So maybe go hard one day and then just kind of, I don't know. I think he'll be more involved than Julio Jones was that first summer, but will he be as involved as Traylon Burks? 
No, I think that he, I, here's one thing, you know, we've been talking in the spring about how Burks was getting that star treatment, working off to the side one-on-one with the wide receiver coaches during, you know, regular team drill practice. The rest of the receivers are running drills. He's off working one-on-one getting that wide receiver one treatment. Obviously that same deal will be afforded to DeAndre Hopkins, but will it be both of them or will they be working separate? Does this demote Traylon back? You know, is the, the he is he getting bumped from his one specialty spot and having to go back with the rest of the? I doubt that's the case, but I think you're going to see a lot of DeAndre Hopkins working one on one on the side with Traylon Burks, and uh, whether or not he's out there every day, that's a question that I have. My last question here, as we draft these, is going to be uh, Hassan Haskins. Hello, you still here? Like, why are you um, still here? Maybe is the question. That is probably the question. I'm sure it's something that will be asked on Tuesday to Mike Vrabel. And it's, um, there will be no answer. We're going to let the legal process play out. We, you know, we, we we understand it's a severe situation. We're monitoring it. Thanks, Mike. There you go. Um, but, but it still does beg the question of he is still on this roster and Mm -hmm. on the heels of the Titans cutting a running back from this, from this roster. Earlier, mm-hmm. earlier this past weekend or last week, uh, how 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 long does Hassan Haskins stay on this roster? Yeah, I think the answer is longer than people think, longer than they may want. But they are, I'd imagine, they're going to let the legal process play out. And in fact, I'm pretty positive they will because if they were going to cut him before camp, they would have done it already, right? Like there's just there's no point in them waiting till now and then being like he's out of here. No, they're gonna they're gonna get all the facts, let the legal process play out, and uh, that will probably cause some awkward conversations when we get out there last question of the entire training camp storyline draft is this and i was talking i i briefly uh messaged this guy a couple weeks ago uh, i should check back in with him because he's a really nice guy and i'm curious to hear how his offseason is gone trey wolf rookie udfa kicker out of texas tech we hyped him up a lot in the spring and he deserved that hype but i don't have like, i don't have a personal connection with him i got to know him at camp when I spoke to him, I'll also have spoken to Caleb Shudak, his competition. One of those two guys, I can tell you this for sure, is going to be the kicker for this team. Like the people talking about how go get this guy, go get that guy. Robbie Gold still out there. Um, the, Brett uh, Maher. Brett Maher. Um, uh, uh, Michael, Michael Badgley. Badgley. Michael Badgley <laughs> is still out there now that the, the, the Detroit Lions have cut him in the past couple of days. There's going to be a lot of, I think, hoop, hoopla and hollering around bringing somebody in to be a veteran known commodity. And yes, I understand that as fans not there at practice. It totally makes sense. A hundred percent. But you got to trust me when I tell you I'm there camp watching these guys kick. They are being treated like, and for good reason, the one and two man competition for who is the starting kicker for this team. It's going to be one of them. They both have looked very, very solid. I think Trey Wolf's ceiling is a little bit higher and I like his, the, the distance and power he brings to the game, but Caleb Shudak, no slouch in that regard, either very different looking players, relatively different styles of kicking. And one of them is going to be the starter, but will Trey Wolf as, as the, we're a Trey Wolf podcast, as we've said in the past, like we, sorry, Caleb, nothing, nothing pack. personal. And, and like, I, 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 I hope the better kicker wins. And if Caleb Shudak is the better kicker in August, I hope he gets the job. We are, we're pulling for, for Trey Wolf just a just, just a little bit. And that, that might be for selfish reasons because we have a relationship with Trey Wolf and, and not with Caleb Shudak yet, but we will, we will build those in, in roads if, and when, uh, a cut happens on in that regard. All right, that is it for our training camp storyline draft today. And that is it for our show, JT. Last show before we've got 
real actionable new Titans content from St. Thomas sports park up in North Nashville in Germantown. Cannot wait to get there. Like I said, at the top of the show, I will be there on Tuesday for the Mike Frable press conference around 1130 AM. And then again, Wednesday morning for the first practice of training camp. Cannot wait. A couple of things before you go. Hey, if you're not following us on YouTube or Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at hot read pod, go follow us there, but especially on Twitter, if you want updates for the show and a, uh, the ability to get the show via all the different avenues, whether you like to listen on podcast traditionally or watch the YouTube show or watch on Twitter or watch on Facebook, wh- wherever that may be, you can do all of that through the links on our Twitter account. So at hot read pod, go give us a follow. We just crossed 500 followers the other day, which is cool. Let's get to a thousand. We, uh, we crossed, we crossed 500. And then of course, when you get to that big number, some people randomly unfollow you. So now we're at 499 again. No, so, so we definitely need somebody to get us back to 500. We, Come need on. Like, we need like six of you to like follow us. So we're at like 506 so that a I have like, a, I have a comfortable buffer to actually okay. put out a 500 follower post because like, okay. <laughs> it, it's really embarrassing to put out a 500 follower post and then you're, you're back. Under, yeah, 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 it's tough. It's tough. 100%. Hey, and then follow us on YouTube, the yes. uh, Broadway sports media's YouTube page. Just search Broadway sports media on YouTube. You'll find all of our content there. We're going to be ramping that out up up and out pretty dramatically in the coming weeks with clips and things from training camp and all of this stuff. So definitely give us a follow, a subscription over there on the Broadway sports media YouTube page. And then if you have not heard the hot read podcast has partnered with Zen Sportsbook, the newest sports book here in the state of Tennessee, you earn an unlimited 5% cash back welcome bonus with them. And that is on all of your betting volume, win or lose 5% cash back in your account for all of your bets for the first 15 days. When you use code, Hot pod, H O T P O D. When you sign up, referral code Hot Pod, H O T P O D. 5% cash back the first 15 days is a special welcome bonus, and then 3% in perpetuity after that. So forever and always getting cash back on your betting volume with all of your bets, win or lose. Kind of like a credit card. You know, you just you're getting you're getting that cash back all the time, baby. Turn that into the system with which you bet over at Zen Sportsbook our wonderful partner. That's going to be it for us. We'll be back on Wednesday. Again, we'll recap the Mike Vrabel introductory press conference for training camp, which we'll be at on Tuesday morning. So make sure to check out your inboxes on Wednesday morning. First thing for that podcast, and then follow us on Twitter at Easton freeze at JT underscore runky at hot read pod for all of the first training camp updates live and to the, to the moment while we're there on Wednesday for the first practice. And then we'll be back on Thursday evening, recording our show for Friday morning, live Thursday evening. If you want to come check us out, come ask questions, come hang, come give your input on how campus started. That will post on YouTube and on podcast platforms first thing Friday morning. So this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday should be that way from here on out. So excited. Can't wait until Wednesday for producer JTM, your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Let's go NFL, baby. Cannot wait. We're so close. We'll talk to you then.